You're listening to the Frugal Spender Podcast, where we have conversations about the one thing you've always been told not to talk about, personal finance. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Frugal Spender Podcast. This is episode 10, and this is the very first episode where I'm going to have an actual conversation with another actual real human being, rather than just me whispering into a microphone by myself, hoping that my neighbours don't walk past and think I'm doing something very weird. The last couple of weeks in our household have been pretty hectic and very busy with work, as you might hear come across in this episode. So rather than rushing something else, I delayed the episode to get back on track. Fear not though, I will be here every Wednesday going forward. So this episode is all about managing money in a relationship and who better for me to talk to about this than somebody I'm actually in a relationship with. So today's conversation will be with my fiance and soon-to-be wife, Georgie Davis. So without further ado, let's get into the conversation. Hello, Georgie. Welcome to the esteemed Frugal Spender podcast. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Do you mean our office at home? That is exactly what I mean, yes. Um, So I wanted to have you on to talk about managing money in relationships and who better to ask than the person I'm in a relationship with. Mm -hmm. So I thought it's probably best to start with you telling the listeners a little bit about yourself. Okay, um, I am Georgie. I am Frugal Spender's fiancé. I'm 30 years old. We have one child together. I um, run a social media company and also have a wedding planning company. Okay, great. Um, Obviously, this is a show all about money. So it's probably a good question to ask. How would you describe your relationship with money? Um... I think I have a good relationship with money. I think good as in normal person good, not as in deep like you are, Brian. But I've always had savings. I've always earned money. I've always worked for everything I have. I grew up getting pocket money and just I think I would describe myself as pretty normal. I spend what I want to spend on and I save because I know I need to save. That's quite unusual, I'd say, because certainly for me, I didn't inherently know how to do those things. My parents didn't teach me how to do it. So if you think you're pretty good with money, and I can agree that you definitely are, and you always have been, what what is it you think that's caused that to happen? Uh, I I actually don't know, because if you compare... So growing up, there was sort of four of us in our family, mum, dad, brother, me. If you compare us all, I would actually say that we're all pretty different, and none of us... I would say were particularly good with money. Like my mum and dad worked really hard and they, we lived in a nice house and we had a family holiday every year. So maybe it's, I have certain expectations of my life and therefore I know I need money to be able to do those things. I've never had a credit card. I don't, I'm not a hundred percent. I think meeting you was the reason why I don't have a credit card (laughs) because you did have a credit card and it didn't look good. So I've just never had it. And I'm not very good at, getting something and paying it off later like I like the thing of saving it and then my treat is to have that item that's interesting that I influenced you to not have a credit card (laughs) sorry (laughs) people who've listened to the my story leading up to why I create content about personal finance will know I got into credit card debt not only recently but also when I was younger as well so that's quite interesting I I just didn't have the knowledge when I was younger so I find it interesting that you just did it without even really being taught how to do it by your parents or because of knowing your parents, I wouldn't say they, their main focus is all about money and they haven't kind of, I wouldn't say they're that knowledgeable about money. They obviously have money and, are, and have done well. They just are your typical work hard, spend their money kind of people. So what would you say your relationship, what was like money like in the household when you were, when you were younger growing up? Um, I, I would say we had a good life. We, I remember we moved from one house that was in the sort of centre of a town, which was a lovely house, but not the right area. And we moved to a place called Maysmore, which is a very nice place to live. Like, uh, upper, not, it's, it's not a rich place to live, but like a, a upper class-ish style in a little village with a nice house, detached house. So we def, I know we had money, but it wasn't that we had spare money and we could just do whatever we want. I remember my dad used to do, um, 
some work on the side. <laughs> Sorry, HMRC. Um, but he used to do some work on the side and then that money would buy us like a really special Christmas present each year. So we would have our normal Christmas. I realise how privileged I am saying all of this. Yes. But <laughs> we had all our Christmas presents and then my dad would use this money to get us like a really special Christmas present. So it would be like um, the game cube thing or like a electric scooter like things like that so I remember that feeling of he's worked really hard pretty much all year so that he can get something nice for us to be treated so money was very much has to be worked for and my grandparents worked really hard like I remember everybody working so it was very much you work hard you get money and you can then spend the money but I've just I, th I think it is meeting you that gave me a bit more of a Ah, okay, I don't want a credit card and I don't want debt. I just want to be able to look after myself and my family without too much drama. Okay, well, let's, let's elaborate a little bit on that then. So obviously I used to be absolutely horrendous with you, money. I wouldn't actually say you were horrendous with money, but you, we, ha we grew up very differently and had very different... When we met, we were at very different stages of our life. So I was just going to university... And had just had been living with my mum and dad at home. I met you and you lived on your own. Like, it's no wonder you had a credit card and didn't know how to use it. Whereas I luckily did. I didn't need a credit card. I was living with my mum and dad at home. Yeah, but I would say my actual relationship with money. Yeah, circumstances definitely made me have a credit card. And probably I would have been much better off had I had a better job or I'd lived with my parents or whatever it was. But I would say my actual how I viewed money and how I wanted to use money. I, there was not much forethought into it. I very much was, I had money come into my bank account from working and then I just always got it to zero. I, saving money, even though I knew I had to do or should have done it, wasn't even something that was just, it's just something I never did. I didn't, I didn't actually ever physically put money away. So I don't know why that is, the. you know, I don't know why I was like that with money, but it's interesting to hear from your perspective what, when we first got together, so we've been together for 12 years. Too long. Way too long. Tw tw <laughs> so 12 years. So that's quite a long time. And only in the last maybe two and a half, three years, I've really kind of got good with money and have taken the reins of our household finances. But from your perspective, then, how would you describe what I was like with money? You say I'm not horrendous, but I would say, I mean, I would say I was. But from your perspective, then, what being the other person who is good with money in a relationship, how would you describe what it's like? me in particular, but also to have somebody who potentially isn't interested or um, just isn't very good with money. What was it like from your perspective? Um, this is what I mean by I don't think you were horrendous with money is because you just weren't great with your own money. We always had our joint account, always covered everything that we had to pay for. There was never, a, never, ever a month where I thought, oh my gosh, you've spent our mortgage money. That's what I mean by not horrendous. You just literally lived with your bit of money, because we've always put our money together and we've taken some back for ourselves, I might have then saved up a little bit of it or some of it, some of the times I bought myself something nice with it. Your money, I had absolutely no idea what you're doing with. And I don't, I don't think in a relationship you need to know what the other person's doing with that money, but I didn't realise that you were actually spending more than what you had. And there's me on the other side saving money. So that to me seemed really stupid that when I obviously found out everything was like, if you just said I could have taken you out of, all of that and we would have just started I would have hated you but we would have started from fresh and then and learned to get better with it but yeah you, you, this is what you weren't horrendous you just spent everything on rubbish like it's not even like you bought good things I remember sitting you down once to try and show you about money and I'd showed you all of the money you spent on coffee and it was like a, it was just a stupid amount of money like it wasn't like ridiculously a lot but it was a stupid amount of money to waste on coffee and you were not in the mental place to be accepting of that whatsoever. And I think that might have started an argument. But worth it to, to kind of show you the the money that... I think I said to you, because you, you used to moan about, like, I don't have any clothes or anything like that. And I was like, you've spent X amount of money on coffee. You're not being intentional with it. If you didn't spend that money on coffee and bought yourself a coffee from home, you could then buy all these clothes that you wanted to have. Yeah, that's interesting being on the other side, because now I'm trying to explain to people exactly what you were trying to explain to me and it just falls on deaf ears quite often especially on sort of tiktok videos where it reaches quite a large number of people 
there's a certain certain percentage of people that just will switch off. They don't want to hear it. Getting into debt was the reason as to why I decided I needed to do it. I don't think had I not been into I don't know five six thousand pounds worth of debt would I have ever gone. Actually, I need to sort my finances out. I probably would have just coasted along because you are, you know, you, not that it was like a money wasn't in the forefront of your mind all the time, but because you were just naturally inherently pretty good at managing money. Like you said, we always had enough money to pay for everything in, in the joint account and we, we were never struggling. We never, ever struggled. But that was just because you automated stuff. You, you know, put stuff straight into the account. You sorted all the bills out. You did all of that stuff. So it was easy for me. I just coasted along and whatever money was put into my account or kept in my account from earning money, I just didn't have those practices in place to manage it. So I find it quite interesting that you had those issues with me, which did definitely cause arguments. I think, you know, that is the number one reason why people split up in the world. That's what studies show anyway, is, is finances. And a lot of people may not think that it's not directly necessarily an argument about money or budgeting. No, but you, you would annoy me because it would then come to like, um, my birthday and you wouldn't spend much but and it's it's definitely not about the money part but you wouldn't spend that much money on me and there's me thinking but I know you get I don't know 200 pound a month purely for you all you would need to think is a month before ah, it's Georgie's birthday next month I therefore need to keep back a hundred pounds to get her a present yes it's not it's not the money itself it's all the other things around the money because money is attached to absolutely everything things that we don't even think about on a daily basis but things like that where there's birthday presents it seems a bit more obvious but you use money for absolutely everything. So if you don't manage it well or you don't have a lot of it, it's going to cause loads of arguments within your relationship that may not seem directly linked to the money. But having not not openly discussing money and not talking about it and not managing it together will cause friction in a relationship. And I was looking at a statistic yesterday that one in eight couples in the UK don't even have a joint account and they don't combine their finances. Me. Like, I don't, I don't personally... I know we've... We obviously had a child very young, but I I don't remember at what point we just put all our money together. I'm sure we just forever did it. I, I think, don't remember I think a conversation. We did it, yeah, as soon as, I think as soon as we moved in together and had responsibilities like rent and bills, um, we just put it all together. And I know a lot of our friends, um, even still, even after being married, pay bills separately from their own accounts. Um, and I, I wanted to get your sort of take on that, really, because I know obviously my thoughts on that, because... You know, I, I'm a strong believer that everybody should put their money together if you're in a relationship. Maybe not in the beginning of your relationship, but once you've, you're either married or you've been together for a long time or you have a child, you're committed to that relationship anyway. You're, you know, what's yours is mine, what's mine is yours. So why would you have separate money? Obviously, you need your own separate bank yeah, accounts. Yeah, and I remember you saying, actually, about wanting your own money because I, I think originally we were just going to put all our money together and I remember you actually saying well, I want to keep some money for myself. And that was when I was like, oh yeah, true. Okay, because if I want to spend mine on clothes, then fine. And you can't say anything about that. And if you want to spend yours on the gym or coffee, like you can. But then when it comes down to like buying each other things, I I do think that should come out of your own money. Yeah, absolutely. When I say combine the money, and actually I did a TikTok yesterday about this. And a lot of people were replying back saying, well, my husband's rubbish with money, my wife's rubbish with money. And you know, we don't combine all our money. I, when I say combine money, it's not combine absolutely everything. Don't get, you know, whatever, whatever you get paid from, putting it all into the joint account and then, every, you know, everything can be seen by everybody. But the majority of your money needs to go to the joint account and that needs to be managed together. That's what I mean by by, yeah. by joint account. But so I wanted to get your take on kind of um, people who don't do that. What, what is it you think that is and what sort of effect do you think that might have? Um, I I think it's personally as well like it's not not everybody feels the same and I don't want to sound too like feminist movement on it but I hate when people are like oh he bought me dinner um especially especially mums when they have children and they go part-time and things like that and they say oh he gave me some money to I hate that feeling of somebody has bought this like if you if we go out for dinner I don't want it to be that you're buying me dinner I want it to be that we are going out for dinner. It's all of the same money. Like even when I went very part-time and I didn't earn much money, I was raising our child. Like if we didn't have a child, I would have been earning my own money. And I just think by putting it all into this pot together, you get rid of that element of, oh, do you think he'll mind if I do this? And like, I really hate that feeling. If, if, If I'm raising our child... I should be allowed to spend our money. And then, like, we're, we're quite lucky now, vice versa, that 
our daughters in school, I'm now earning good money, that it's now all in the pot and it comes, what goes around comes around with relationships and you should be able to do the up and downs together and not have to worry about this pot of money that's in the middle that's just sorting everything out for you. So yeah, like you said, I've always been the one that's worked full time up until recently um, when I left my career in the police. I've went from the stable income you were always up until the last couple of years when you went self-employed, you were always part-time. So I was earning more money than you, let's say. Um, and now that we're kind of running companies together and you're doing really well with your wedding business, I find it really interesting that do people think it's not fair because when I earned more money than you did... What, did you ever feel like it wasn't fair? Um, I, I, don't know, I don't know if fair is the, the, the right word, really, but I can see why somebody might think I've, I've, I'm contributing more financially even though you know you potentially were looking after um isla our daughter at home it's it's hard to equate those two because one person's bringing in tangible money you can see the you know the zeros at the end of whatever that salary is it's hard to equate what you're doing at home so i can i i, I don't agree with it but i think that's the argument I for a lot see of people why people do it. and one thing that always i don't know why this has always stayed in my mind but i, I think it was paul mccartney this is weird, but Paul McCartney and he divorced his wife and everyone kicked off because she got a huge amount of money. But she spent their relationship doing charity work. So if they weren't together, she would have had a job and she would have earned her own money. But because of the, the circumstances of their relationship, she didn't and she put it into other things. I don't. I 100% agree with her that she should be getting some of that money because of the life decision. They would have sat down as a couple and gone exactly like we did okay, right, who's going to stay at home and look after our daughter? Well, who's... Because when we first had our daughter, I got offered a job in recruitment, which would have paid very good money. And we looked at the option of you being part-time and me working full-time, and we decided against it. Like, I feel like people make these decisions and you've got to do it as a family decision and as a money decision that you're all sharing this pot. There should be... It's difficult to say, but there should be no resentment with that. But as you said, like, it's hard not to. It's, it's also hard for the person who goes part-time to not be jealous of this other person earning money. And I can't imagine what it would be like to be in a relationship where I would be part-time looking after our daughter, you would be earning all the money, and I then wouldn't have any spare money because of the decision that we've made together. Yeah, I can see, again, I can still, I can see why there would be some, not resentment, but definitely there's couples that have resentment because I think the guy feels like he's just contributing so much Um or girl um and i think the other person feels like they almost need to have spending money and i think that dynamic is is just not good it's not coherent for a good relationship moving forward i think regardless of whether you're contributing zero money the other person's contributing hundreds of thousands of pounds because they're the one out there working and you're at home you know looking after everything and making i would imagine very big decisions in other departments of a relationship that's why i'm so strong i believe so strongly that you need to combine it and make the decisions together you need to almost just think you know we we are a couple and i think that can only have beneficial um positive impact on on your entire life and even you know the same study that said about one in eight couples um don't share their finances show that actually the people that do stay together for longer because they use words like we and us as opposed to i like you're saying with being treated to going out for dinner yeah that is a nice thing but that's what you do when you're single and you're going out with you know you're going on a date or or you're going out with your mates it's not to say that you can't use your own money to treat me or i can treat you or um, for birthdays or anything like that or even just a random date night you can you know we can do that but the money is is all together if you go out for dinner as a family that should all come out of the joint account because it's your money and at the end of the day if you've been together a long time or you're married if things were to go wrong and you were to get divorced even if it was to be messy if it goes to court the reality is oh, it's, it's pretty much 50 anyway. 50 anyway so i don't really understand this whole like i'm going to hoard this money for myself weirdly there was somebody commented on my tiktok yesterday saying you know, obviously something had happened in his life previously where potentially, you know, some money had been taken from him and he didn't elaborate as to why, but he was very clear that he was in a relationship and that he was not in any way, shape or form being financially connected to his partner. He didn't say whether it was his wife or girlfriend or whatever, but I just think that's such a naive way of looking at it because you can think all you want that that money's yours and your money's, you know, it's it's separate, but especially when a kid's involved. If this goes to court for whatever reason, you know, touch wood, it never does. But if something like that was to happen, 
you know, it's going to get it's going to get split by somebody else. You're not going to make that decision as to what's yours and, and, and what's mine. But what changed your mind then? Because I'm I'm I have always been very comfortable talking about money. So at the point where you got into debt, sadly, my nan had passed away and left me money. Why? Uh, why at no point did you say to me, like, surely you resented the fact that I then had this money and you were in debt of that money that could have been paid off very. Was it pride? Yeah, definitely. So I think when people who people are in debt and I, I wasn't even in so much debt that it was crippling, but it was enough to be ashamed. And I think the, the word ashamed is what's linked to debt. I think with everybody I talk to about it, it's that kind of like, I don't want people to know about what I've done because it's embarrassing. It's it's it makes me look weak. So me personally, I wanted to I wanted to resolve that myself rather than put that burden on you. And in hindsight, that was a, you know, it was a bad decision. Yes, I avoided an argument with you so that I could just get a, a lot of people hide things from their partner financially and then get themselves into a bigger hole. Luckily for me, I have such an obsessive personality that when I was like, you know what, enough is enough. I need to sort this out, even on a low income. I mean, at the time when I started to pay this off, I was on 19, 20,000 pounds a year as a, as a training police officer. And that, you know, that's a, that's a low wage based mm. on the pay cut that I took from my previous role. Um, so to do, to, to be able to do that on a low income, with and just also, a mindset. I didn't I was still part time at that point. Yeah. Just for So I managed to pay off that much money myself by just picking up overtime and and it's you know it's it's not good but you didn't you weren't even aware. Mm. And it just just goes to show that if I did if I did you know just face facts sit down with you explain to you what happened yes we would have had an argument for sure and rightly so but then we could have resolved it probably even quicker. However, I still don't regret not doing that because I took ownership of a mistake that I made. And I think you would have always resented me. And that's not a negative towards you, but I think just it's just human, it's human nature. I would have made you pay me back for it. Yeah. Like it, it's just pure is, human nature. I don't isn't mean it? pay me. We've just said about joining all our money, but like we've always sort of said that that money that I was left is, is almost like, I mean, we haven't even touched it, but it's like a separate pot thing. I don't mean you pay me back, but like, you would have if I gave you that money to get yourself out of debt. It, it's almost your pot that 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 comes from your little pot that you had, and it almost needs to be paid back to my little pot that I had. So I do think that there's a bit of a line between putting everything together and still having a little bit of personal income that you are responsible for, and that you should, like you did, you should therefore have to pick up a bit of overtime to pay that off, so that you can get yourself back on track, which you did, and it worked. So. Yeah, and that's why I did what I did because I didn't want to. Because I know you, you did have the money to to pay that off. I, I, like I, I know you did, but I wouldn't. Th- that would have just moved the debt to you, which made it even more complicated. Rather than having the debt with a credit card company who I don't know and don't yeah. even care remotely about. In comparison to owing you the money, that would change the entire dynamic of the relationship. So all of those things that kind of that all compiled into the reason as to why I just was really intense and did it myself and but you say that but the dynamic of our relationship at that point was not great anyway I, and I think looking back now a lot of it would have been because of that like one of our main arguments and I'm not ashamed to say it, it's because I'm a wedding planner is I wanted to get married we had been together what nine years and there was no hint of any of it and I remember being annoyed thinking he's literally not even thought about saving money for this it's literally never going to happen. And I remember thinking it's going to take him at least like three, the rate he's at, it'll take him about three years to save up for a ring, let alone a wedding. And it was just, that was annoying. That was upsetting actually. So, I mean, you painted me in a really nice light there. I really appreciate it. <laughs> he's you. a totally different guy. Um, <laughs> but in hindsight, the reason why I think I had that view of marriage and, and, um, no, I had no real desire. I had, there was no like burning desire to get married. We were together for so Thank long. You. We had a child. We had, we had a house. We had all those things. But actually, in hindsight, the reason was it because it, in my mind, it wasn't possible. That's what I felt. Like we didn't have, I didn't have any money. I, I, saving money for an engagement ring felt to me like it was it, such a big hurdle that I just couldn't, I just couldn't overcome that. And once I started learning about money and. Um, managing my own finances and then managing kind of our, our combined finances, which we'll get into more in a minute. But that then, once I started paying off the debt, I then just carried on doing it because I realized actually I have the ability to put money away and it felt good. And I realized I have this sense of freedom. I don't feel worried all the time. I don't feel concerned that, you know, it's two weeks until I get paid. Once I kind of sorted that out, I was like, you know what? 
I I can save this money, and I you know I saved for an engagement ring um, within a few months, and you had no idea that was going to happen, and I think it was all combined together because that's why when I say money is linked to everything, it's not just your household bills and all that kind of stuff. It completely changed once I got control of my own money on a low income. Not only did I pay off debt, but it changed my mindset about marriage, about how we talk about money, the decisions we make together. It kind of improved everything. Yeah, and actually improved everything. Like, I do think our life is kind of in chapters. And that was a massive, massive one where I would actually say that you are almost an entirely different person and that our life is almost entirely different now because of those steps that you took to change all of that. Because, like, I know that I would have kept going through life pretty much as I was and I was having a nice life but only when you took a bit of ownership for it our whole life literally changed and now looking back that was probably three years ago we were arguing about that and now we're both self-employed earning more money than we have ever have freedom to do it saving for a wedding like these are literally all things that I never never ever thought would would happen yeah definitely and that's why when I talk to people about money and I say to take control of your finances and learn how to manage money, it seems like this thing, it's almost like this victim mentality with a lot of people. And I hate saying that word, but it's true. And I think I fell in that category as well. I almost 100%. viewed people with money as not evil, um, but I just thought, why do you want money? You know, life's a bit more, life's, YOLO. There's, more, there's more to life than money. What's the matter with you? And it wasn't even because I didn't buy expensive things. I didn't buy Rolexes with money I didn't have. Um, some of our friends were and I definitely and I'm not ashamed to say I almost resented it a little bit because they had more money than me and I just kind of my instant view is oh well you know that's not the way you need to live your life because I just kind of got yeah because I was in my own sort of little shell and thought to myself well my mindset around money was all about scarcity it was all about like I didn't feel like I could earn any time I had a job I never really thought I could earn more than whatever that job gave me which is all a mental, you know, it's a glass ceiling in your mind. There's, that, there's, no, there's nothing that ever told me I couldn't do that. But my mindset around money, for whatever reason, whether it was growing up with potentially not a lot of money and my mum, you know, not, well, yeah, struggling to look after her three kids, that obviously played a huge impact in how I viewed money. Some people go the opposite direction and kind of become really entrepreneurial and go and start businesses and because they came from poverty, try and do the complete opposite. Whereas for me... I just kind of coasted and I think I was lucky to, to to meet you because if you were in a similar kind of mindset, you know, our life would be very different. Well, so- when I look back now and think that we we now live in our second house and it was only... Jo- it, just whilst- to clarify, we don't own yeah, two yeah, houses. Sorry, like a month before we found out that I was pregnant, we signed the papers for our first house. But 100% of that was me making you buy a house. Like there was no... And it, it's because my my upbringing was very much that you buy a house and you have children and you get married. And these are all these things that are sort of non-negotiable things. Whereas I don't know if it was ever massively important to you to, to buy a house. No, I, I'm very privileged that you had a good upbringing and had those morals and thoughts instilled into you because I've kind of just jumped onto a roller coaster that you've controlled basically for, for up, up until three years ago. Yeah. Um, you made all the all the right sensible decisions with money. Um, you know, even holidays. It, the money for a holiday, I was always I actually probably took quite a negative approach whenever you'd say, Let's go on holiday, and I'd be like, oh, We haven't got the money for that. I we haven't got the money for that. And we would just kind of like just scrape by every month because we didn't earn that much. But for somehow you managed to find money, whether it was you put in where your own money or you just you did all the things that I learned about and now do is kind of just take away that money as soon as you get paid, put it elsewhere. So potentially hide it from me so I couldn't see it um, and then build up a pot of money that way. And I just, I think I'm very privileged to be in that situation where we could be much worse off had I not done this. Um, as, sorry, I'd be much worse off had you not done the things that you'd done leading up to this. But I find it really interesting that our roles have reversed as far as who leads in the finances. But do you think that in most sort of relationships and, and couples that there's one person that takes the lead with money and, and should it be that way? Yeah, I think it's natural in in most relationships of people we know anyway. There's always one person who's kind of the the planner, the sensible one, the one who deals with the money and the bills and the stuff like that. I don't really know many relationships where it's not one person and typically it is the woman like just I, I don't know why but 
it was definitely me before. And I almost got annoyed at you when you then started learning about money and wanting to take that role off me because like I had always done it. And how dare you question what I was doing with the finances when I'd got us in two houses and I'd got us holidays and a car and blah, 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 blah. And it took me a while to actually be like, oh, actually what I've been doing, thank God I've been doing it, but it's not actually as good as it could be. So it's, it definitely took me a few months to stop getting annoyed at you for for taking that over. But like our, our roles have totally reversed where now I, I couldn't, I don't even have time to do it. Like I'm, I'm so glad that you know what you're talking about and get on with it so that I don't have to worry about it. I don't, I, I think it's you you definitely try and involve me and you try and show me the budget each month and I nod and I just check the wedding fund um but I think you do need one person who's kind of more committed to it but you both have to agree with where the money's going I think that's the main bit like for me the the funds the sinking funds that are more important to me aren't as important to you but they're still on there and they still get their money like that's that's the bit that I'm sort of checking the rest of it I leave up to you that's interesting that you didn't want to kind of give me the reins of the finances. I didn't trust you, actually, because yeah. you had only just started well, and you my go track deep. record. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my track record with money obviously wasn't great, so I can definitely understand that. But I think that's probably the same in most relationships where the person who does manage the money, whether they might whinge about it and say, oh, you're not doing anything with it. Actually, that control that they have, not in a negative way, but in the sense that like they're aware of what's happening and they in their mind know where all the money is and and that that's a sort of sense of freedom and safety knowing where that is and I think for you you um I mean I'll say it you're a bit of a control freak um in <laughs> in, in, in in the nicest possible way which is um you know got you where you are and got us all the nice things that we have and led us to where we are so the fact that you felt that way is definitely understandable but I mean, I'm sure you agree our finances are in a better position now than they ever yeah, were. Yeah, but also because both of us are agreeing to it. That's, yeah. that's no, the main bit. Like, I no. definitely think I did well for the fact that you were not yes. interested. But I think most relationships don't get to that point where they have actual discussions about money. Something that's so vital to everything we do. Like, you know, we go to work and we, we try and build up a pot of money. Not You may not be consciously thinking about it, but putting money into a pension or buying a house and the equity going up and that. So when you're older, you have enough money to not when you don't work, you have money. Your whole life revolves around money. All the nice things you do, you know, buying food, all of this stuff, it's all about money. But in couples, especially the couples that we know, don't openly talk about money, certainly not to the extent that we do. I mean, it's a bit different because I create content about money. Um, and, you know, I, I'm... No, but we were that couple before. We There was one person who was doing it, getting on with it. The, the discussions weren't really needed, but... It's only now that I realise actually how vital they are. And I think I remember the moment that changed my mind on your like approach to money. And it was when you told us about how much we would have by the time I was 60. And I didn't believe you, obviously. Um, and then you worked it out. And I was like, oh, my God. OK, just let him get on with this. He knows what he's doing. I will just keep doing what I'm doing and supporting it. But it needs one person who's who's really invested in it to focus on that. Yeah, definitely. Being on the same page is, is is by far the biggest thing. And that's the whole sort of subject of this entire podcast episode is if one person is doing and the other person isn't, it's not going to work. If you if you have opposing views or different goals, then it's never going to work. That push and pull is just not going to get you into the same direction. Whether even if it's just a vague sense of like you say, and then at age 60, we the only reason why this is working and why we're both agreeing on it is because at age sort of 50, we both want to semi-retire and have enough money there to make decisions for both of us that we can do whatever we want. We can go on holiday a few times a year. Not you know, not, not necessarily to be mega wealthy, but to have a life that potentially a few years ago we didn't think was possible to have uh, based on the jobs that we did and the lifestyle that we had. So I think sitting down and having an actual discussion about what your goals are, for me was something huge for us. And I think anybody who's in a relationship should be, that should be a priority for them. If they've never done that, and, when, and I would argue that probably most people haven't, is to sit down and say, what, what do we actually want to do? Plan? What's yeah, the plan here? Because most people just think I'm going to work until state pension, state pension age or until I retire. And then, you know, I'll just retire and play golf and do all, you know, do all these things that you're supposed to do that culture and society tell you that you should be doing. But 
if people actually sat down and had an end goal and then work back from that. So what you're talking about there is the compound interest calculator, just by kind of working backwards of saying a sum of money of, I don't know, half a million pounds to get that by age 60. How do we do that? How much do we have to put away, you know, at an average rate of return of, I don't know, 8% or whatever. You can work backwards and yes, it's not guaranteed, but without having that kind of goal, that end goal in sight, you can't make those day-to-day decisions that are going to get you there. And now money, as far as our relationship goes, is so automated because we've done it, well, I've done it in particular for a couple of years now. Budgeting takes two minutes. Our investments are automated. All of these things that to the average person is so unnatural. I mean, it certainly was for me. I don't know what it was like for you, but the idea of investing, in fact, I remember hopefully Ben, my best mate, who, um, if he's listening to this, he will laugh, but he came around for dinner once about three or four years ago and he said one of his goals between the three of us um we always make goals every single year whether it's financial or you know whatever whatever it is we're doing in our life we always make a goal and we try and give each other some sort of um Punch accountability to, to say have you done this have you not done it and i think it was about four years ago one of his goals was to start an investment portfolio <laughs> and, and we both reacted just how you did then we, we laughed and we thought you you're so pompous like he, he's always earned good money yeah. um he's always been really sensible with he's money he's been the career guy he's he's very clever with what he was doing and yeah. literally the inver- words investment portfolio yeah i was like what the yeah it what? sounded so alien it sounded so alien to us and it was something that like this we're like yes you earn good money but you're not this rich guy you know you, you're not you're not some like investment Street, banker yeah. Yeah, and that was our view. And looking back now, it's hilarious, really, because that was our view of what investing was. And that's, that is what the average person thinks about investing. And that, that's the issue. So as soon as, you know, and you have to go quite deep into it to really understand, because investing is, I mean, it's simple. I still don't really understand investing. So I think it is important to, like, I've learned what I need to learn about it and then let Brian get on with it. But I think you have to understand it because I thought it was a massive risk. And I remember saying to you, like, I'm not a risky person. We put some of our daughter's money into investment. And I remember saying to you, like, this isn't our money to be investing and playing around with. And it took me a while to figure out, actually, it's that's it's not what it is. It's not like a gambling game. It's where you need to keep your money for it to grow. Yeah, I mean, it didn't help that I went from gambling money, getting into debt, <laughs> and then talking to her about investing. And if you had that, you know, thought of ga- it is gambling anyway, it's, it's obviously those two things aren't going to gel well together. But my, my point is that it's, it's, it's so alien to people to be good with money, manage it well, and invest your money for the future. You know, even people like Martin Lewis, who I think has done such a good job, he, the fact that he's the go-to person in the UK for money, he doesn't talk about investing. He just talks about how to save money, how to kind of build your credit score, which are all good things and all things I absolutely agree with and talk about. But he doesn't talk about investing. And I guess it's because he's talking to the masses. And I know you say, you know, it's, it's, you're concerned about risk. Of course, when it comes to investing, there is an element of risk. Um, you know, your money can go down. But over time in the stock market, the stock market always goes up. You know, rich people put their money into assets, things like property or stocks, that sort of thing. But Martin Lewis, and I, uh, this isn't me having to go at Martin Lewis at all, but because he doesn't talk about it in the UK, investing isn't seen as the mainstream thing it's very much on the fringe people who talk about investing are like crypto and stock market these are all conversations that happen at parties with you know the two nerds in the corner this isn't like the uh, people don't talk about this stuff openly enough not just about money but things like investing and i think that's a was a big driver for me creating content about about investing because a couple of years ago i never genuinely never in a million years thought i'd actually invest money in the stock market I mean, I remember opening up an account mid-gambling um, with a, a, an FX trading account. Do you know what that is? Yeah, so Forex trading. Again, a little way of gambling. Yes. Yeah, yeah it was. It is. Um, so f- just trading currencies to try and make a profit in the short term. So rather than investing, investing is long term. We want to retire at 60, so we're going to put money away every single month main, and get a growth. As you're saying that, the main thing that changed with your mindset was the quick fix. Yeah. You were constantly trying oh, yeah. to find a really quick way of just earning money. Yes. Because that my time horizon was was short. It was I have no money, and I think once you once you manage your money, naturally your time horizon extends, and you start thinking about the future and putting money away. Because that YOLO lifestyle is often for people who don't have enough money. But even people who earn good money, who buy the BMW, who buy the Rolex, and yes, buy all those things. If you've got the money to do it, my God, go and do it. Like that life is for living. If you, but it has to be 
relative to the percentage of what you earn. So the people who you see driving down the road who you know driving their BMW have a Rolex but don't have any a cash buffer. They don't, they don't even have a thousand pounds in their bank account. They have payments up to their eyeballs. Those those people their their time horizon is so short. It's like I'm going to work nine to five and then at the weekend I'm going to go and get drunk. Now that's you know it's very generalized, but that's I, I was definitely like that. Live 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 for the weekend. As you start learning about money and learning how to put money to the side and investing in all those sort of things, your time horizon extends and you start thinking about, right, what are we going to be doing at 50 or 60? And that's that's actually something I haven't really done before. I'm not a huge future person. Like I I some, I some somehow know that I'll always be fine. I, d- I don't know where that's come from in my life, but I know that I, I'm going to be all right. So I just... I, I definitely don't live for now and spend all my money, but I definitely want to spend more money now than you want to spend. And like my entire life is kind of built around memories. Like I, I want to live my life having tried everything. So I want my money to get spent on things like holidays and experiences and our wedding and stuff like that. Whereas you are definitely more forward thinking and pension and planning and the boring kind of stuff that I know I'll appreciate later in life. But like when we were talking earlier about sort of us having the same goals and things like that, like I don't want it to sound like we're too perfect that we don't still clash on where the money is going. Cause like, if it was up to me, I would definitely be spending more on honeymoon and wedding and stuff like that. Whereas that's the sort of times where we do have to sit down and talk. And I remember when we got engaged and having to try and talk about how much money we were going to spend on the wedding, that was an awkward conversation. But if we hadn't had that conversation, I'm confused as to how people then do plan a wedding, not knowing how much they actually have to spend. And you're like, your only agreement with the wedding is that we would not be paying it off after the wedding. So we had to try and work backwards and be like, right, okay, then how much can we save between now? We had a two year engagement. How much money can we save and how comfortable are we spending that much money? And then how could I then spend that effectively to do a good wedding? But I'm definitely more live now but but still quite sensibly, you're definitely, if it was up to you, you'd probably save everything that we have. <laughs> no, I know it feels like that way because I talk about it all the time, but it's very much trying to think about the now and the future because, you know, there is an element of YOLO to life, isn't there? Like you got to, you do have to enjoy life now. Um, and I think for, from our perspective, as, as our income increases, it's trying not to have lifestyle creep, trying not to every time we earn a little bit more to go, oh, you know what, we, let's let's put an extra £100 into a holiday fund. And all those things need to happen, but it needs to be relative to what the increase of what you earn is. That's that's my approach to it anyway. It's very much percentage-wise. If you if we get, you know, if we pay ourselves a bonus or we get more money coming towards us, rather than just spending it all on something like a holiday, which I think probably many people do when they get a bonus, rather than that, it's, we're going to allocate a certain amount here, a certain amount there. Yeah, it's a very sensible mindset, but I think I've swung so far the other way because I'm aware that, and I'm 33 now, and you're you're 30, so we're we've got a long time ahead of us. But equally, if we started this when we first got together, we'd we would be in a much better position. So I almost feel like we're not on the back foot, but we've lost. I feel like I've lost 10 years because this is the information that I wish I had 10 years ago. Yeah, but you could also be 10 years further down the line and you're 20 years behind. So yeah, no, absolutely. You're, but then again, we're we're a, a perfect example of the kind of relationship where we are total opposite people. You are the worrier. I'm the positive thinking one. So you're the one that's thinking, oh, I'm 10 years behind. And I'm thinking actually you're 10 years ahead of other people. So that's where we differ. Yeah. And that's, I think, most relationships, that's, you know, they say that opposites attract don't they and that's especially with finances i think it's good but it's only good if you have that open dialogue and communicate and you know what you're saying about the wedding so we're getting married on new year's eve this year in 2022 so we've got six months left and we've had quite an open dialogue from the beginning and i know you're worried about it and most people i say most people a lot of people probably would have been scared to have that conversation in the sense that this is going to cause such a big argument it's not worth having so so i'm just not going to say anything i'm going to worry over here by myself and then potentially spark an argument every time we have a discussion about spending money on something whereas you know i'd rather not spend a huge amount of money on a wedding you'd rather you would spend every penny if you could <laughs> so we're trying to find that middle ground of this case we, you know we want this at our wedding how much is it going to cost can we afford it okay can we get something slightly less than this so having that open dialogue with anything to do with money is so important rather than kind of and and that's why combining your finances for me it does that it's that psychological of this is our money 
we can talk about it and we can manage it together rather than your money, my money, I'm going to keep things away from you because that's not a recipe for a healthy relationship at all, in my opinion. But as far as we'll end on, on, on this, and I think the discussion about aligning goals, we you know, touched on it already a little bit that every year we set goals, um, whether it's financially for one year, five year, um, you know, 30 years. Well, what are your thoughts on, on setting goals as a, as a couple? I'm quite goal driven anyway. So even to the point that we're getting married on New Year's Eve, like New Year's Eve is my favorite day of the year. I love the whole finishing off a year, writing some goals for the next year, but they've more been sort of personal and like you said when we were doing them with our friend it sounds like we were doing financial work they weren't they were very much just mine every year is lose weight and I never do it but like I like a goal every year and it weirdly we went to do a business sort of goal setting thing yesterday and even to the point of that of sitting down and actually we need to sit down and focus on what the goal for this business is and what the goal for my wedding business like I think it's so important to have something that we are both working towards so that we're not going off in different paths like I think if you've got the end goal it doesn't matter quite if you get there a little bit differently but you need to be both be working towards the same thing and I think that we sort of compromised that we would be working towards this end goal of having a great older life because we had our daughter so young like we definitely missed out on that chunk of sort of YOLO um so we're more than happy to sort of do that later and we both have very clear goals on what we want to give our daughter when she's older and what we want to save for her how much of it we want to spend and have fun with and how much of it we would then want to keep back because like we don't want to have to work in jobs that we hate because we have to pay this mortgage and these bills and these car finances and all these things we've always agreed that we want to be able to just say right okay I've I've finished doing that now I I don't want to do that anymore can we eat into this money that we've saved so that we can take I don't know a year out and go and travel and things like that and we even managed to do that now with with you leaving the police like luckily we'd we'd started this emergency fund and I'd saved money in my business so we could afford to go right okay try this business go and try it if it doesn't work for a year okay we'll go and get another job and and earn money again but to like to have that buffer within our lives is probably our main goal it sounds ridiculous, but we don't want to have to do anything that we don't want to do. And that, that doesn't mean not working and things like that, but we don't want to have to... St- I didn't want you to have to stay in the police till you're 65 purely for that pension. Like, there's other ways of, of having life not following the traditional sort of Monday to Friday, 9 to 5, earn your money, get a pension, die. <laughs> well, that's a bit depressing. Sorry. But yeah, no, no, it's true. And And money... People think like they say money is the, the root of all even all that sort of stuff. And I think people who don't have a lot of money, and I can definitely relate because when I didn't have a lot of money, I viewed people with money as the other. You know, I oh, must be so nice having this money or that's not what it's really like. But having money even doesn't have to be a lot of money. You know, we're not rich. We have enough money in our bank account to last us a few months. If we lost all of our income for whatever reason, we have enough money to get by for a few months. And that freedom of knowing that allowed me to leave a job that... Um, I wasn't that happy in and you know it's the same for you if in the future you wanted to change your mind that's that's the importance of managing your money and having these strong foundations and especially an emergency fund like you're saying I think for me that's something I never had you've always had that I think you've always been sensible and had a thousand pounds or two thousand pounds sitting in a bank account somewhere regardless of how much you earned you know throughout entire lives you've always kind of had that I never really saw the point but you've just kind of inherently it obviously made you feel better emotionally it's still, I mean, it's still now, like in the in the business bank account, I, I've built up this money in there, which can be can definitely come out. But I feel so much better having this backup of money that my decisions are clearer because I'm not doing anything based on the fact that I have to make a decision because I have to have that money. Like, I don't want to, it sounds like we live our lives very money driven, but actually it's, it's almost the opposite because we know we have this money. We're, we're not really worried about it. We're just living our lives how we want to making decisions based on our feelings and thoughts and talking about it and we're not doing anything because of the cost of something or because we have to earn x amount of money like i think it actually the the emergency fund gives you a bit of freedom to live the life you actually want yeah and and i think it, it's not even it doesn't have to be a lot of money genuinely even like 500 pounds i mean to some people that is a lot of money but if you're listening now and you've never had an emergency fund that alone changes your mindset. I think that's for me the biggest part because the money that we have invested, 
I don't, you know, I'm not viewing that as, you know, well, it's definitely not money that I'm going to access for a long period of time anyway, but it's that money that you have readily available that gives you that it helps you sleep better at night. Like it really, really does. For me, I used to worry about thinking, oh, do I have enough money in my bank account this month to pay for a coffee? And I know you said earlier about coffees and stuff. That's something that you, sh- you know, you shouldn't have to live without that. I mean, if you're in debt and, you know, you've got, you've got yourself into a really bad financial situation. Yeah. Don't go and buy loads of coffee. You need to make sure you focus on getting rid of that debt and building up an emergency fund first. But once you've intensely focused on that, then you can just live life just a bit more comfortably. You just have that breathing room, that space. So Georgie, you've been a wonderful first guest. Thank you very much for coming. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> you didn't come far. This is just our office <laughs> since it's the house we both live in. But So I want to start a tradition as you're the first guest on the podcast with finishing on a question. And the question is, if I gave you £10,000 now, what would you do with it? First question, is it my money? Do I have to share it with you? Is it going in our joint no. pot? Okay, because otherwise I'd have to save some. Um, I would definitely use that money on all the stuff that would just make me feel a bit better, I think. So getting clothes for our daughter so I can get rid of all the clothes that don't really fit anymore, getting some clothes for myself, definitely adding a bit more money to the wedding fund to just of course bouge it up a bit we've not spent enough on that <laughs> there's a lot of pressure for me to have a really, really good wedding i think it should go through the business as marketing um <laughs> and then yeah honeymoon a holiday i'm i'm an experiences person like anyone that knows I'm not really a materialistic person like s- stuff doesn't i mean it makes me happy sometimes but not for a long t- like a, a long enough period uh, a holiday the honeymoon that we kind of would love to have that's definitely where the money would go for me and yeah just fun stuff georgie davis thank you very much and there you have it i hope you enjoyed that conversation slash therapy session between georgie and i it's quite interesting to talk through the dynamic of how the sort of default position where she used to manage our finances and our relationship got passed over to me and it's really interesting because I don't think we're unique in that sense where, you know, one person tends to take the reins. But I think we may be unique as the fact that it's flipped. I don't think that's almost that common. But let me know your thoughts on our conversation and, you know, any sort of experiences that you've had within your relationship that you think other people might benefit from. Let me know in any of my social media channels like Instagram, TikTok or YouTube. And if you do want to support the channel, you can do that by subscribing. And if you're feeling very generous to leave a five-star review, which will help this podcast reach more people. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Peace. Peace.